0: Welcome to Access Utah, I'm Tom Williams. It's National Bike Month, it's coming to a close and we're going to talk biking on today's Access Utah. we am going to ask you your biking experience and how do we accommodate each other as bikers and drivers? Uh, most of us have experience both ways. Why do you bike? Is it to save the environment? Is it for recreation, sport, health, perhaps economic reasons? Is your community bike friendly? i will ask you that and how do you stay safe out there? We have incidents in the news and on those conflict points. Our guests will include Paul Rogers of the Cache County Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee. Also Stephanie Tomlin, who's also of BPAC and Aggie Blue Bikes Program Coordinator. Later in the program, Michael Jay publisher of the website Bicyclesafety.com. We'll are opening phone lines and email lines for you on biking, following the news. Support
1: for Access Utah comes from Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Open Monday through Saturday until 2 with a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch
0: sandwiches. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. It's National Bike Month... And uh, there are certainly conflict points out there, and we've seen that in the news recently in several communities, and uh, some great opportunities. A lot of people are getting into biking to help the environment, uh, for recreation, for sport, for health, perhaps for economics. We're going to ask you why you get on your bike. Um, Is biking a legitimate form of everyday transportation? Should more of us park our cars in favor of our bicycles? Some of us think so. Uh, Could you get by even without owning a car? Some people do. We're going to hear a report later in the hour from John Kovash, our uh, Moab correspondent. I think the statistic there in Moab, uh, some 15% of the residents there do not drive. They get on their bikes. Is your community bike friendly? And, of course, bike safety is much on our minds. We're going to ask you uh, how you stay safe out there. How can we better accommodate each other as bikers and uh, drivers? A lot of us uh, are on both sides of that. We get in our car for some things and on our bikes for others. We're going to talk about biking on the program today. And with us uh, for the hour in studio is uh, Stephanie Tomlin, who is uh, with the Cache County Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee. She's also Aggie Blue Bikes Program Coordinator and uh, with the USU Sustainability Council and to welcome back to the program. Yeah, thank you. We have with us in studio as well, another member of the Cache County Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee, Paul Rogers. Thanks for joining us. Hi,
2: Tom, thanks to be here.
0: And uh, Paul, you work with, at USU.
2: I do, I, I do. In my other life, I'm, a, I'm an ecologist.
0: All right. Uh, so the phone lines are open we're uh, asking you to comment on why do you bike very interested in in the reasons there, there are a lot of reasons and we're going to, to probe I think most uh, closely this, this idea of, of sustainability and helping the environment many reasons why why people get on their bicycles and how can we better accommodate each other's bikers and drivers let me start uh, with you Paula Rogers uh, just on a personal level why what do you bike, and, and h- how often do you bike? Do you you bike
2: for most things? I do, and and uh, Tom, primarily, I bike for transportation, and I and I don't think of that as a wild idea at all. I just think of it as very practical. It's a very affordable way to get on, around. It's very healthy, and and of course, I'm very concerned about our air quality and some inv- other environmental issues. So that's the main reason I I, uh, I bike around. But I do uh, about once a week or so, I go for a recreational bike, uh, a little longer distance to just uh, for exercise. So there's a couple reasons right there, but. Mm. Uh I pretty much bike everywhere grocery shopping, go to work, go around town um, uh go to social visits, all kinds of things so most things you get on your bike that's right, and to me it's it, it in a town like Logan, where we live, a small city it's just a very pleasurable way to live it's sort oh. of a lifestyle choice yeah. do you have a car? I do have a car. Uh, we have uh, three drivers in our family and one okay.
0: car currently. Oh, okay. Uh, so you, do, what would what would get you into your car? You get in your car occasionally.
2: Uh, to leave town, <laughs> oh, okay. A lot. No, okay. I, I mean I do have to use it occasionally to go uh, if I'm in a, in a hurry or something, or have to pick up something heavy. But I even have a bike trailer, so I've I've picked up. You know, heavy things, I guess I go to a little bit greater extent than some other people. Mm-hmm. I've gone shopping for paint, for example, uh, with on a bicycle. So it's not really as hard as you think. So it can be done. It can be done. And it's. It's uh, if you think about the cost of this, just the economic side – you could get a pretty nice bike a trailer and all of stuff for what you'd cost uh, maybe a quarter of your maintenance of your car a year not to mention the cost of the car mm. so.
0: now you mentioned you have a you know you have other other drivers in the family do you is, is everyone in the family on board with, uh, with the, your level of biking
2: uh yeah they pretty much are mm. they are uh, they uh my, my wife bikes to work up at the USU campus, and my daughter bikes to the high school. No, so. mm.
0: okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll talk about this a little more. Um, I think there's a broad range for people who don't get on their bike ever to to, to doing Great. most things like like Paul does. Stephanie, mm-hmm. what um, what gets you into biking?
3: Wow, just a just about everything. I kind of I have Paul's same idea in terms of using cycling as transportation. I think it's I agree completely. It's a very practical form of transportation in Logan, especially when you couple it with uh, the free public transit. It makes it a very um, easy, easy way to get around and you can throw your bike on the bus. And then, you know, if you need to get up some major hills or if you just are kind of in a time crunch, it makes it pretty simple there. Um, I'm also just very involved in the the recreation. I love uh, mountain biking and, um, you know, cycle touring where you actually carry everything with you and go on multi-day trips, as well as, you know, using going on mountain or road bike rides um, around for, you know, recreation. Um, but I'm also into the kind of the maintenance side of it. Um, I, I enjoy being able to fix my own bike and I find it very, you know, empowering to be able to teach other people how and kind of the simplicity of it and, you know, make little adjustments here. And you, like I like to watch people's face light up when they realize, wow, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was. So that's kind of another element. Um, that's more of the Aggie blue bike side of thing. That's what we do at Aggie blue bikes is we teach people, you know, how to fix their own bike. Um, and I think that's a huge component of, of cycling, you know, having that ability to make even just minor fixes that'll keep you out on the road. Um, you know, kind of eliminating that fear of, well, I don't want a bike because what happens if I get a flat tire? You know, it just, it's just a really empowerful thing, empowering thing, especially for a woman, to be honest. Uh, you know, women tend to be, you know, they're just a little bit more nervous about it and rightfully so. So to be able to to teach um, other women about it. I think is a is a huge thing that I really enjoy. Mm. So it's basically all aspects of my life. To be honest,
0: interesting. Do you find that with with friends and and people you talk to? If you if you get into biking in a big way, it's just becomes a big part of your lifestyle.
2: I, I do. It's, it's just second nature uh, for us. We live uh, down in the center part of town. We can get to all of our basic needs, and and many of our friends live within a, within a few miles. It's an easy bike ride. And uh, you know another aspect of this is when you show up to work or you show up somewhere, you're just a little bit more invigorated. As opposed to sitting in the car, oftentimes tension is building and you're not getting exercise. With just a mild amount of exercise, you show up to work uh, more alert and more invigorated. So that's mm-hmm. another aspect of this.
0: Uh, what, what about the other side of that? You're invigorated. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I'll put this delicately, the, the, the hygiene side. Uh, right. uh, I, I, a lot of bikers are in shape, I guess, so you don't – now, if I were oh. to ride up the hill <laughs> – and I did once with for National Biking Month yeah. uh, Day. Uh, I had to lie on the floor of my <laughs> office for a good half hour because I was so out of shape. But I... <laughs> And I'm not exaggerating there. But I, I guess if you're if you're in shape, the hygiene's not a problem.
3: Well, I mean, I think it it's always going to be you know no matter what. Like I still you know sweat when I come up Old Main Hill. It's it's just you know it is just a it's a hill for sure. It's definitely you know thinking about your bike and having enough gears. I would say you know it's making sure that you're accommodating yourself in that way. And then also you know when you're to encouraging the, the place that you work to accommodate that, maybe have like a, have like a locker available so that you can have a change of clothes or, I mean, in a, in a great scenario, you'd have like a shower facility. Um, but I would, I would argue that, you know, it's, it's a little bit less of an issue than maybe, um, you know, you just have to be kind of conscious about it and make sure you're packing like a rain jacket. I unfortunately got caught in that rainstorm last <laughs> night coming home, but you know, and it, it just, it kind of happens, but you know, having that rain jacket or those rain pants available or, or cycling in the morning when it's cooler or something. So just, kind of looking for little, you know, tricks here and there to make it um, to make it less, basically, of a, of a hygiene issue. Hmm. Anything to add to that? Uh, yeah,
2: it, just those are great tips. And another one that's sort of a, that I call a cheater tip, but it's very very much encouraged here in uh, Logan, for example, is that there's a big hill to get up for many people to get to the university. Well, we have the option of putting our bicycle on a bus, as Stephanie mentioned earlier. And so I encourage people, especially as they're starting out, right. to bike halfway and take the bus up the hill right. and and as they become more in shape, the issue of uh, overexerting yourself, uh, you might say, that doesn't come up as much.
0: Um, we are talking about biking on the program today, and uh, we're asking you why you bike. We've heard uh, from our guests here in studio, uh, Stephanie Tomlin, who's with Aggie Blue Bikes uh, program, and uh, we're also uh, talking with Paul Rogers with the Cache County Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee. Stephanie's also on that uh, committee. We're asking you, why do you bike? Is it to help the environment? Is it part of your lifestyle? Um, Is it for recreation, sport? Maybe it's an economic decision. I think some people do that. Uh, You can't afford the car. Um, And we're asking you, is your community bike friendly? If not, how could you make it more bike-friendly? And we're going to be getting into bike safety. There have been some uh, publicized cases recently, and there always are, how we accommodate each other as bikers and drivers. How can we do that better? The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Or you can reach us at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Also on Facebook and Twitter. The number 1-800-826-1495. And you can reach us at upraxis at gmail.com. I want to explore a little further this idea of uh, biking as transportation. Uh, And I think for people who don't bike much, and I put myself in that that category, you know, Mm -hmm. it's fine. I I get on a bike when I have the occasion to. But I I don't – it's kind of a foreign concept for me to go to the grocery store or to, uh, you know, to just take care of all my daily errands on a bike. But, uh, as you talk to people, do you get that question? They find out you do most of your most of your thing on the bike. Do you get that question?
3: Yeah, I think that I think that comes up definitely the the kind of, the the hardcore antic uh, or of, you know, oh, you do everything, you know, on on your bike. Um but I think I, I would like to kind of turn it around and just say, you know, it it just is kind of it becomes habitual in a way and you once you kind of do it once, you realize, wow, like that really wasn't as bad as I, you know, had maybe envisioned it. Um and, you know, so you you ride maybe to the grocery store and you have, you know, bags that you are have the ability to clip onto your bike and you're like, okay, I can put all my groceries right in here and it's it's really not a problem. There's a rack, you know, a bike rack that I can safely lock up my bike right outside. Um, and I can run in and and do my errands and then come back out. And it's just really just, just not that much of a problem. I think that it's, it's interesting because you start like within your own social group. Um, like once you do it, you kind of, and you, you talk about it and maybe the people you're surrounded by at first were like, Ooh, I would, you know, never really consider doing that. And then as you kind of say that that's how you're, basically your lifestyle, they might give it a try and realize like, oh, wow, that really isn't that bad. And then soon your entire social group, you guys are, you know, riding your bike to, you know, to a restaurant, you're riding your bike to go see mo- the movies or, or whatever. It just be kind of becomes a part of your life. But it's definitely, it, it, it might be intimidating at first, but it's just, it's realizing that everyone kind of had a first time at it and you go out and, and you realize that it's just not that bad.
0: We have a couple of callers. Uh, the number to call is 1-800-826-1495. We're talking about uh, bicycling. Uh, and, and it's sort of, we'll get into this a little later. Um, there, there's a little bit of a you could call it a culture division, couldn't you? I mean mm-hmm. if you're if you're really big into biking, you understand it, but if uh, if you're always driving, you don't get on your bike, there's uh, maybe a bit of misunderstanding between the two groups, especially when you have trouble sharing the road. And we'll get we're talking about that in bicycle safety. Uh, we're talking with Paul Rogers of Cache County Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee, Stephanie Tomlin also on that committee, and also with the Aggie Blue Bikes Program. You're welcome to call the program. We're asking you, why do you bike? And is your community bike friendly? And the number is 1-800-826-1495. You can also reach us by email, upraxis at gmail.com. Our first caller in is Barbara in Provo, and I'll also have my guests put on their headphones so they can hear Barbara. Uh, Barbara, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment.
4: Um, I uh, bike in Provo because, well, because I'm a little old lady and can't really afford to toot around in my car as much. Um, But I. No one has mentioned what I enjoy most about it is that you see and you hear so much more in the world around you when you're on your bike instead of enclosed in your car. Interesting. You hear the birds singing. You hear the, you know, all, all the, the wind blowing through your ears. You see spring come. You see winter come. It's just an uplifting experience.
0: So, Barbara, you, you got on your bike because of economic reasons. Pardon? You you started biking for economic reasons.
4: Oh, well, you know, I have a three-wheel bike, hmm. um, you know, an adult tricycle. And I don't go anywhere fast, but I can go long distances, mm-hmm. and I do all my grocery shopping. The only time I would take the car is if I had an appointment and it was raining, and my bike doesn't have... <laughs> Any cover. So um, cold weather, you dress for it. Hot weather, you dress for it. I'm quite a sight around Provo in my little red bike helmet and my tricycle with my big pole with the flag up behind and the pinwheels on all four corners. I intend to be visible <laughs> yes. to uh, motorists, and I have a large basket on the back. I have pedaled home three miles carrying 81 pounds of water in gallon mm. jugs plus groceries. And, um, I mean, it's that old thing, once the thing is set, something in motion, it stays in motion. It doesn't mean it's harder to pedal. <laughs> once you get going it keeps you going. It, it sort of provides the momentum. So I've found there are very few obstacles except really wretched weather.
0: All right. Thank you, Barbara. Appreciate that. You bet. And Look for Barbara out there on her, on her tricycle in Provo. Our, our next caller up is also from Provo. Uh, Bryce. Uh, glad you called, Bryce. Uh, go ahead with your question or comment.
5: Yeah, this is uh, this
6: is Bryce. And I just was, would like to say that out here in Provo, there's a lot of uh, vehicles that are parked on the side of the streets and driving my car to and from places it seems that there's just a lot of blind spots and uh, you know it's really easy to be able to miss people that are walking around or running as Provo's pretty active out here and I find that you know biking around I, I'm i the one that's happening to watch out for vehicles but it's a lot easier to Slam on the brakes or even turn corners or something. If a car is an obstacle, uh, it's 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 a lot safer. It's a lot healthier. I actually love to bike, and it's a, it's a fun activity. Like you guys are saying, to be able to find friends and people that are in your community that do love to bike to go to go up into the mountains and enjoy this sights, different angle, that direction.
0: So you, you feel it's a, a little safer out. Uh... Out, away from the cars and such
6: oh yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot safer in my opinion yeah you have to yeah you're you're absolutely you have, happening to try to watch out for those bigger vehicles <laughs> not have to hit you or anything but again you you've got a lot more maneuveration and a faster maneuveration than a car does well
0: th- plus, thanks plus, yes go ahead price
6: oh, i was gonna say plus one thing is is that i've noticed uh, as i've as time has gone, yeah, your legs do start to get stronger and you become a, a lot faster bicycler. But I've been able to actually keep up with vehicles at least two to three lights. And I'm, my guess is that you could probably get to and from places out here in the Provo area uh, because it's a little bit flatter. And you could probably get there just as fast, maybe 10 minutes, you know, give yourself a leeway of 10 minutes and you're good.
0: Yeah, so you can you get away and get around to do most things on your bike then.
6: Oh, absolutely! I do try to.
0: Hmm. Well, thanks, Bryce. Appreciate your experience.
6: You're yeah, uh, thanks. You're welcome.
0: We're talking about bikes on the program. We're take, going to take a brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking with Paul Rogers with Cache County Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee. Stephanie Tomlin also on that committee, and she's also with Aggie Blue Bikes. Uh, she's program coordinator there and on the USU Sustainability Council. Uh, a little later in the program, we're going to be talking about bicycle safety, and we'll bring in Michael Bluejay from uh, the website BicycleSafe.com. We're looking for your bicycle experience. Uh, how do you stay safe on your bike? Uh, how can we accommodate each other as bikers and drivers? There are conflict points on the roads that we all know about, of course. Uh, is your community bike friendly? And we're asking you, why do you bike? For environmental reasons, recreation, sport, health, uh, economics. Uh, we'd love to hear your biking experience and uh, why you bike, or perhaps not, why you're a confirmed driver. 1-800-826-1495 or upraccess@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Back after break.
1: Previously on Car Talk.
7: My husband Charles walks in and says, I fixed the Volvo again, let's go for a ride. <laughs> again. All right, let's, let's go get
6: a hot fudge sundae.
8: <laughs> so I walk outside. And my
7: jaw hits the ground. He cuts the top off of the car. <laughs> I've got a chop-top
6: Volvo. Don't miss the fun this week. Join us for Car Talk. Saturday mornings at 10 on Utah Public Radio.
0: Good fences make good neighbors, Robert Frost writes in Mending Wall. Is he right? I guess it depends on who your neighbors are. I'm Jim Fleming. Next time on To the Best of Our Knowledge, how brilliance and the dark heart of humanity live right next door. It's To the Best of Our Knowledge from PRI, Public Radio International. Sunday mornings at 9 on Utah Public Radio. I'm Tom Williams. You're listening to Access Utah. Thank you for listening, and we're talking about bikes and cars. We're, talking about, we're going to get into talking about the conflict points. How can we better accommodate each other as bikers and drivers? Uh, how do you stay safe out there, and why do you bike? We've heard a lot of reasons. We'd love to know the reason you get on your bike, and uh, love to know how, uh, how, how far you take it. Uh, do, do you do everything? Uh, just about everything like our our guests in the studio here or do you just get on bike for recreation and uh, how far do you think we as a society should take it should become like uh, holland where everybody gets on the bike uh, i'm gonna ask my guests that as well and, and how far we can take that in our car loving west and those long distances um paul you said you you know you go to the next town you get on your get in your car and probably take the family you, you know you got to do that if you're going to drive drive long distances talk about all of these things the number is 1-800-826-1495 one 826 i'd love to get your perspective and you can reach us by email as well upraxis at gmail.com upraxis at gmail.com uh, so we had uh, several points raised by Barbara and Bryce, both in Provo. That's interesting. I wondered what it is about Provo that's uh, maybe may an especially biking-friendly town. Um, so um, I wonder, uh, Paul, any reaction to the points they made?
2: Uh, yeah, just briefly, I want to respond to Barbara. She did catch us off guard, and she's exactly right, that this whole aesthetic of biking is is a—, is a really a strong selling point for me personally, and, uh, and I'm guessing for for others who ride their bikes. But that's to be able to slow down in life, s- stop and listen and hear is really important. So I wanted to applaud her. That was a very good comment. And then very briefly, uh, in terms of Bryce's uh, uh, concerns and issues about riding in town versus out of town, and I also agree with him that, uh, that, that some facilities can assist in uh, greater visibility for bicycles perhaps less parking on the streets sometimes, and, uh, and then uh, finally kind of increasing the communication. I'm sorry. Increasing the communication between um, cyclists and motorists so that we we have some kind of mutual understanding about how we're going to operate on the road. I think we'll get into more detail about that. But mm-hmm. uh, good points brought up by both of those callers. Yeah. Stephanie, did you have a reaction?
3: Just I would agree with Paul also on the in, ter- in terms of Barbara's comment about the aesthetics. It's just that's it, one of the most amazing things about on being on a on a bike versus a car is that you can you really exactly what she said. I'm not going to repeat it, but that you can really just see and and hear and smell every every part of everything, and that's one of the biggest draws to, like, for example, bike touring. That you spend multiple days out, um, it just really slows down your pace, and you get to actually really experience, um, you know, the landscape that you're that you're traveling through. So that's a that's definitely a, a wonderful thing about cycling. So
0: Barbara said, uh, winter, spring, summer, winter. What did you say? I, I've forgotten all the four seasons, but <laughs> yeah. winter stood out to me. Yeah. Do you guys get on your bikes middle of winter? I snow do. on the ground?
3: Yeah, I ride. I I rode all throughout the. This is my first winter actually in Cache Valley, and I kind of, t- to some extent, heard these. You know, like oh, it just gets so cold, and you won't you won't be able to do it. And I, I was able to. It, 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 she brought up the point too. You, if it's cold, you dress for it. If it's hot, you dress for it. And um, I found that that was very you know, easy to do here in terms of, even with the the cold winter, being able to address for it. My bigger concern actually was the air quality because that's mm-hmm. not something you can dress for. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, a, I was able to, to ride. It took some modifications to the bike though, for sure, in order for me to feel safe, like some fenders and some different tires, but um, I was able to definitely.
0: That brings up a dilemma, Paul. We do have a caller on the line, but I wanted to follow up with that air quality. I was going to ask uh, you two about this. It brings up a, a real dilemma. You want to get out there, mm-hmm. and, and in parts, for recreation, it's for health, it's for environmental reasons, but you got this bad air. Uh,
2: it, it is a dilemma, Tom, and and I'm I'm guessing like, a uh, case in point. I used to ride every day religiously, and I've been convinced by the medical evidence out there that I should not be riding on some days of the year, and it's solely because of air quality. It's not because of weather. Uh, Here in Cache Valley, and I think many bikers around the state will find that by the time you get to the destination, regardless of the weather, you're often taking off layers. So so you can dress appropriately, but you can't dress for, as Stephanie says, the air quality. So that's a real conundrum. We're trying to improve the air and ride our bikes more. But uh, how do we get other people out of their cars? And so we're working on all, on all fronts, so to speak, uh, to improve our air quality, but also to allow people to bike year round. And that's something that's, you know, kind of strikes right at the heart of, of why I'm involved in, in both biking and the air quality issue.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's go to our next caller, who is, uh, I believe, Kelly. Uh, Kelly, go ahead with your question or comment. Glad you called.
7: Um, mainly a comment, uh, particularly directed towards Stephanie. I want to echo what she had to say about some of the concern, particularly for women, being the mechanics of the whole operation. And I have been very, very fortunate, and I want to thank her and Aggie Blue Bikes in getting some terrific instruction on just basic bike maintenance and actually um, some more involved bike maintenance. I have spent a few hours in their shop there working on my, my uh, commuter bike, and I just really appreciate what they're doing at USU and in the community. Um, personally, though, I just uh, wanted to share that I'm trying to do more bike commuting, particularly to my work, and part as as part of a national uh, bike challenge that's going on this summer. Um, and so I so I do share some of the concerns folks have about weather and just various things, but. I am trying to do more and more biking. I have concerns about air quality, particularly in Cache Valley, but elsewhere too. So, but mostly, I just wanted to thank Stephanie and the Aggie Blue Bikes program.
0: Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate the call.
7: Thank you, Kelly. Okay.
0: Uh, Kelly called from Logan, by the way. Uh, so she's she's reinforcing this point that uh, maybe. Women need a you know a yes. l- little nudge to, to believe that uh, oh I can fix my bike a bit if right. it right.
3: I think it's been a I mean it's it's no secret uh, the bike industry is male dominated for sure. <laughs> um, not only in like the new bike industry but just we find that um, most of our commuters are, are are males and but it is interesting because women are kind of the um, the catalyst in terms of once you uh, you know that you have a more bike friendly community when you see more women out on the road because they, they kind of they will. They feel like they need a little bit more. They, they want to feel safe, basically, out on the road, so you know that your community is kind of on um, getting that direction when you see more, more women out there. But, yeah, I, I think that her comment was great in terms of uh, that's, that's what we do at Aggie Blue Bikes is we, we want to you know, inf- basically empower anyone that comes in to say, oh, wow, I can, I can do this. And um, I love that, that feeling of having those light bulbs go on when you see how simple it is. And it sounds like Kelly had that, that experience in the shop, so that's great. Mm. Happy to hear that.
0: Uh, and uh, Paul, just uh, following up on on kind of this thread of of thinking, um, I brought up before the the idea of Holland, and I think in our minds, uh, we, I think we all know in a, in a vague way anyway that Holland is a biking nation. It's I, I don't know how it became so, but everybody gets on their bike. And or a small nation, uh, is that something that you is that a dream that you
2: you'd, you'd like us all to get on?
5: On yeah. our bikes in
0: our I, I, communities.
2: Gosh, Tom, you struck right at the, right at the core of my fantasy. Uh, actually, many of the northern European countries are, are in that boat: Belgium, Holland, Sweden, uh, Finland, all of those. And and at last, I checked. Copenhagen had the highest uh, commuting population on bike; was twenty five percent of all their commuters, which is an amazingly high level So all those things are possible and uh, to me it takes kind of all the all the um, engines firing here, but basically having facilities, having uh, bike laws in place and having a willing, willing populace. And so any way we can encourage that that's sort of at the core of what the the BPAC does, the bike and pedestrian advisory committee. Uh, but there are many groups that are out there trying to encourage that kind of uh, that kind of thinking whether we get to those high amounts or not, uh, is secondary to kind of one step at a time. And and you saw earlier this week in the national news that uh, New York City started a new bike program and put 6,000 bikes out there for public use that you can take and drop off at another place. So that's another kind of approach to this uh, and just another, another angle or another trick that we can use to get people out of their cars, on their bikes for so many positive reasons, for environment, for health, for all those things.
0: Yeah. And uh, I take all your points... But uh, here in the West, and in, in Utah included, uh, we're famous for loving our cars, aren't we? So how do you? How do you make that transit? You're not going to get everybody, but how do you get more people?
2: That's true. And so I, and I think Stephanie sort of suggested this. It's sort of one cyclist at a time. You get folks to come into Aggie Blue Bikes, get their hands on the bike. Perhaps it's the convenience of picking up a bike and dropping it off there. Uh, perhaps it's just the, the sort of Barbara's angle on things here is just to slow down and enjoy the aesthetic. Think about your quality of life. Do you want to get to work frustrated or kind of you know tensed up, or do you want to get there and in, and get some exercise on the way? and and be a little bit more relaxed. There's so many different ways at this, and there's so many hooks that will bring different folks in. Uh, But uh, you're right. We're we're battling battling a car culture, and nationally and, of course, regionally as well here. And so we do that a little bit at a time. We try to uh, emphasize the um, positive aspects of of biking as transportation.
0: We do have a caller, uh, and we're going to bring in shortly uh, Michael Blue Jay. We're going to talk about... uh uh, bike Safety, uh, he's publisher of uh, com. First, our caller, Margaret Invernal. Margaret, uh, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment.
5: Oh, good morning. Well, it's not really a question. It's a comment that I think might be helpful, um, and that is if they built bike lanes, say, parallel to the uh, pedestrian walking path, uh, so that the uh, bicycles weren't actually you know, amongst the cars on the road, so you separate them out, and I think that's sort of safer, and and also it would cause much less less frustration for the motorists.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea, and some towns do have those. I, I know we have a few in Logan, probably not as many as our guests would like. I'm not sure if there are any in, in Vernal, you know. Uh,
5: I don't think so. Yeah. But we we had them in England um, before World War Two.
0: Yeah, and,
5: and... Uh, they were used quite a bit.
0: Uh, in in your experience in that in, in that time, where there a lot of bicyclists, do you think more biking than goes on in Utah at this point?
5: Um, well, I guess well, I was in a in a country area for mo- for most of the way that I, I used to have to cycle to work, to school if I wanted to stay after school. Yeah, and um, it was just between two smaller towns where there was a bike path. Parallel to a walking path along the road. Hmm. And uh, it certainly was a lot safer to to ride on that than it was on the regular roads.
0: Hmm. Well, thank you, Margaret. Appreciate that.
5: Thank you. I think, you know, when you're um, planning something, uh, that ought to be considered, because we do have quite a lot of space here that we ought to be able to manage something like that.
0: Yeah, I think that is true. Sometimes we look at the roads and, and, and think that those, those, those byways aren't planned uh, sufficiently for, for bicyclists. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that, Margaret. Uh, thank you. Mar- Margaret called from Vernal. You can call anywhere you're listening. 1-800-826-1495. How can we better accommodate each other as bikers and drivers? How do you stay safe? Why do you bike? Is your community bike friendly? Some questions that we're uh, seeking answers from you on. We're very curious to to hear your biking experience. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. And uh, now we bring in um, Michael Bluejay, who is uh, with uh, BicycleSafety.com. Michael Bluejay, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much. And by the way, it's bicyclesafe.com. Bi- bicycle
0: safe. Thank you. Um, I want to I've... jump
1: in right away because I just heard you, the question you had asked one of your other guests: is How do we get more people on bikes? And then you're very, the caller you said, the caller you took, you had the answer for you. One of the answers suggested bike lanes. We see that that's one thing that gets people on bikes. They're scared. The thing that keeps people from riding is that they're worried about uh, their safety, and the thing that makes them feel safe is bike lanes. So hmm. bike lanes help get people on bikes for sure.
0: Uh, I'm going to ask my previous, my guests, current guests in studio this question. I'll ask you: Do you do you bike a lot?
1: Absolutely. I don't own a car. I don't have a driver's license.
0: Interesting. So you're you're on the far end of this.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And you find you can do everything you need to do on a bike.
1: Absolutely. And I'll, I'll point out: I live in Austin, Texas. It's a smaller city than some, uh, but uh, um, you know, it's uh, it's a perfect size for biking. It's not it's so. Uh, Uh, and uh, there are more hills here than some places but then again San Francisco has even more hills and they have even a higher percentage of bicyclists but uh, yes I'm able to do everything I need to yesterday I bought a uh, bookcase and a desk and hold it home on a large trailer that I have
0: interesting so I imagine you have people who uh, you know respond to you once they learn this (laughs) with amazement I'm guessing they they, they say you don't own a car how can you not own a car
1: that's right, exactly, but that's one of the reasons I do it. I want to, you know, um, you know, uh, be the change I want to see in the world. Uh, you know, I've always maintained that as soon as I need a car, I'll have one, but I haven't needed one yet, so I haven't bought one. And I, I want to show people that if I can go, you know, I'm almost 46, if I can go my whole adult life without owning a motor vehicle, then they can try it at least one day a week.
0: Uh, let's go to our next caller, Nancy. Uh, Nancy, welcome to the program. Thank you. Go ahead with your question or comment
8: comment it's interesting because i'm in the car driving to washington right now but i just started bicycling last year i'm 59 years old and i use the bike for travel we've always traveled around the world using buses and trains but now we're going to france and And using as our transportation i just got back from six weeks as a bicycle tourist hauling all my own gear camping gear and i tell you what that's the best way to travel
0: uh so uh, have you gotten into this recently then
8: yeah, just started last year. I'd biked a little bit before that. Moab's a big bike town, but I was never comfortable. Um, I'm not an athlete. I don't care to go fast. I just want to, I use it. I don't consider myself a cyclist. I consider myself a tourist on a bicycle. And hmm. given a choice now, I would rather use a bicycle to do this trip, but it would take me a month to get there instead of two days. Yeah. That's the road I go. Correct. So, uh, <laughs> You know, and and we're rural people where we live in Moab, so I wouldn't be able to get home in time with the ice cream kind of thing if I used it for the store. But I would give anything to live where I could use a bicycle constantly. I love it.
0: So, so you're in Moab, but it's kind of a kind of counterintuitive. I, th- I thought Moab was a very bike-friendly town.
8: Oh, it is. It's incredibly bike-friendly. But I live 20 miles south of town. Okay. Um, and it, that doesn't make for easy commuting. You know, when you have stuff to take to town and bring home, that kind of thing. But yeah, oh, yeah, everybody's on a bike in Moab, so it's yeah, it's a perfect place if you live in town.
0: Okay. Thanks, Nancy. Appreciate that. Thank you. Bye. We've got, we got a report coming up from John Kovach, our MOAB correspondent, uh, some interesting things going on in planning. Margaret brought that up uh, with regard to, uh, to to bikes in MOAB. Uh, I want to uh, jump in now to uh, to the idea of safety, and uh, we'll start with the Michael Bluejay on this. You have a whole uh, website, BicycleSafe.com. What are some things that you encounter as a bicyclist, and, and how do you, uh, how do you counteract that? How do you become safe?
1: Good question, um, you know what you hear for standard bicycle safety advice is you know wear a helmet and uh, follow the law, and that's those things are really insufficient that 's not enough to keep you safe on the road, not by a long shot because we know there are so many cyclists who get injured and even killed, even though they were wearing a helmet and even though they were following the law and I can give you uh, uh, you know m- many examples i 'll give you uh, one. Uh, this is probably the biggest myth that it 's safer to ride on the sidewalk and so we see people riding their bikes on the sidewalk, even though in most in most jurisdictions it 's not against the law because they feel it's safer to be separated from the cars. Well the problem is that at some point you have to come off that sidewalk usually to cross the street and at that point that 's when a, a, a vehicle turning right can 't see you because you 're moving much faster than pedestrians you come off that sidewalk and they can just nail you right there. Or uh, cars that are coming in and out of driveways. So, in fact, if you look at the numbers the last time I checked, uh, you were actually 19 times more likely to get hurt biking on the sidewalk than biking in the street, where you're clearly visible to other motorists. So that would be the f- first thing I would suggest to your listeners. Uh, another thing is that it is not illegal to ride too close to parked cars. It's not illegal at all, but if you do that, you have the risk that a uh, uh, motorist exiting their vehicle will open their door in your path. You can run right into the door and then uh, fall into traffic and get hit by another vehicle. And I have a long list on my website of cyclists who were killed in this very manner. We call it the door prize. So those are a couple of examples of uh, things that cyclists can look out for to make sure that they're safe on the road.
0: Stephanie, you were nodding your head on a couple of these things.
3: Um, I just would I would agree completely with the, <clears throat> the sidewalk riding. I think that that's something that we see at least. Uh, so uh, up at Aggie Blue Bikes, you know, I, I hear a lot of that um, happening, and we actually require all of our users, if they use one of our three-month rentals, to, t- to take a safety quiz. And I specifically um, oriented a, a couple of the questions about that because I, I agree wholeheartedly that that's kind of a common misconception of, um, you know, that it's safer because exactly you're moving yourself away from the cars, but it's just, you know, Site or, uh, vehicles are not expecting um, some something to be moving that fast on a sidewalk. You think sidewalk and you think pedestrians; they move much slower. So exactly when people are pulling, when cars are pulling out of you know driveways or even I would say you know on on business on business roads, you know like a um, drive-through or anything like that, it's they they are not expecting to see a, a bicyclist there, and they will they usually go faster, and that's when you get um, you know the probable incidents happening there. So.
0: I want to ask uh, you, Paul? What are some tips you would give people on on safety? How to stay safe?
2: Well, uh, we're definitely pushing the helmets here. I don't want to uh, downplay the helmet thing here. Um, in the state of Utah, the Department of Transportation and the Department of Public Health uh, and Safety are really pushing helmets. As a matter of fact, they were giving away free helmets here recently, and I was really surprised. I looked at these statistics, and uh, and, and sorry uh, for the national audience or Michael, but uh, just for Utah uh... for example elementary school kids only twenty three percent of kids are wearing helmets um... and so i'm not saying that helmets are the be all end all but i think they're sort of a starting point that when we get people on bikes uh, we want them to wear helmets and by the way that elementary school uh... was the highest level of accident injury and even death so there's a correspondence there and most of those uh... come from head injuries so Mm We need to teach kids early uh, that uh, that you need to take those precautions, and one of them is just put the helmet on. You remember years ago when when it was it was such a hassle to wear a seatbelt, and it just became something that was uh, that was uh, almost subconscious. You put it on every day, and you don't even notice it anymore. Well, we want to get that way with helmets, so that's a starting point. But some of the other things, as being visible, being predictable, that Michael has already alluded to. Uh, and being legal, so riding with the with the um, the traffic rules and such, uh, all those things will get us there. But we want people to first. We want to encourage them to get out, and we also want to encourage them to be safe when they when they do get out on their bikes. We're going to take a Can brief- I comment y- on the helmets. Yes, go ahead, and then we'll take a brief break.
1: Okay, I want to say, as the author of bicyclesafe.com, helmets are the least important part of bicycle safety. And among people have actually looked at helmets that statement is not controversial it's controversial among the general public because there's an assumption that helmets will make you safe but actually if you look at the research it's it's kind of the opposite helmet use surged in the 1990s in the united states and at the same time we we saw helmet we saw head injuries among cyclists also surged they didn't go they didn't stay the same they didn't go down as helmet use increased head injuries also went up and the reason for this is that while helmets help in some cases, they hurt in some other cases. Uh, some you know, research at the University of Bath showed that uh, people who wore helmets were passed uh, uh, much more closely by motor vehicles because they're perceived as being more vulnerable. So it balances out. If you look, you know, the United States, we have the highest rate of helmet use. We also have the highest rate of head injuries. If you look at the European countries you're talking about earlier, they have the lowest rate of helmet use and they have the lowest rate of head injuries. So if there is a protective value of, vel- of helmets overall, a net overall protective value, it's so small that it's hard to measure. And that's why I don't wear one. Uh, the other thing we have to consider is if we're always, you you know, hammering that everyone has to wear a helmet to be safe, we're sending the message that cycling is so incredibly dangerous that you have to wear safety equipment to do that. And that's, that's at odds with the idea of trying to encourage people to bike. Who wants to get on a bike and ride if they're going to feel that it's, you know, so incredibly dangerous that they have to wear special safety equipment to do that? You know, we don't tell people, we don't tell pedestrians they have to wear helmets. We don't tell motorists they have to wear helmets, but those road users are also subject to the risks of using the road. So, you know, I want to throw that out there, uh, that helmets are, you know, well, I don't, I don't say people shouldn't wear helmets, they can wear them if they want to. Uh, I just think the evidence isn't there that there's this overwhelming safety benefit and it shouldn't be, it's not the first message we should be telling people. The first message for being safe on the road is learning how to ride safely. Uh,
0: rebuttal from, from Paul. I know at least the state well, well, of Utah I- is, is encouraging people to
2: yeah, the state is certainly encouraging people. The statistics I have in front of me say something different, but I don't want to get in a, in a fight about that. I agree with Michael that, that you should ride safely, that you should uh, understand the laws. I've, I happen to feel that you'll be safer if we have uh, better facilities. Uh, but I don't think this is the time or the place to kind of get in a statistical war here. Uh, and, and let's maybe just leave it at that. I think that it's, it's a good idea to wear a helmet, uh, but we want you out there and to ride safe and to be alert uh, at all times and, and to be visible. That's a really big thing, too. Uh, and, and perhaps it has something to do with where you live, your locale. Uh, um, in Utah, it's a little bit people are maybe not quite as aware of cyclists being on the road and, and so that the, the, the many things we can do to be more visible and to interact with the, with the driving traffic uh, safely, uh, the better off we're going to be.
0: We'll talk more on bicycle safety and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more on how we can uh, plan better as communities and better awareness and how we accommodate each other as bikers and drivers. We continue our discussion on biking, and we're talking with Paul Rogers of Cache County Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee. We're with us Stephanie Tomlin, who's also on that committee and is with Aggie Blue Bikes. And uh, we have Michael boujay who's publisher of the website, BicycleSafe.com. You're welcome to join the conversation. We're asking you why you bike, how do you stay safe, is your community bike friendly, 1-800-826-1495. or you can join us at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Back after a break.
2: Waste not. Leaking toilets are the number one cause for high water bills. You can place a few drops of food coloring into your tank to check for leaks. If the food coloring appears in the bowl without flushing, you have a small leak.
0: Waste not is made possible by the Logan City Public Works Water Conservation Department. Information at loganutah.org slash public On
4: the next Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll set sail for Martinique, Aruba, Haiti, Trinidad, and Jamaica. I'm Rosalie Howard. Climb aboard as we go island hopping in the Caribbean on the next Putumayo World Music Hour
0: we're talking bikes and cars we're talking bike safety we're asking you why you bike is your community bike friendly how do you stay safe out there and uh, that's the topic that we've got onto right now, and we're talking with um, Paul Rogers, Cache County Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee. Stephanie Tomlin's also on that committee, and she's with Aggie Blue Bikes and a member of USU Sustainability Council. And with us is Michael Bluejay, publisher of the website BicycleSafe.com. Let me start with this question, Michael Blue Jay. Um, You know, we're always talking about how we can better uh, have uh, drivers beware of uh, bicyclists. Of course, bicyclists need to uh, obey the law as well. We need to accommodate each other. But isn't it always going to be drivers who maybe share the bigger part of this responsibility because you got, you know, the two-ton vehicle?
1: Sure. I mean, you know, um, you know, drivers and bicyclists both break the law sometimes. The difference is when drivers do it, they often hurt and kill people. You know, when a bicyclist breaks the law, they're usually not putting anyone but themselves at risk.
0: So how, how to get that word out, to, how to get drivers more aware?
3: I don't have an answer for that. Mm, okay. I'll defer to Paul instead. All, all right.
0: Well, do, you, do you have some ideas on that?
3: I would say um, I, I'm a big advocate of like a, of education and kind of um, cyclists, especially um, when they obey laws. You know, they're kind of setting this precedence for other cyclists, and and they're showing that um, you know that cyclists. Do they ride on the road, but they also obey all the laws? And I think that that really helps. Um, you know, cars respect the cyclists on the road, and kind of vice versa. It's kind of when you get this this idea of you know cyclists that can just. And unfortunately, the the few cyclists that maybe don't follow the laws that uh, kind of set this bad example and kind of maybe set this bad precedence for the other cyclists that maybe do follow all the laws properly. So I think it is about education and even just that peer to peer education when you're riding out with other people, you know, making sure that you're that you're stopping at like the stop signs or you're, you know, using your hand signals um, to kind of show that that's something that you really care about and that you that you use. And, um, you know, the trickle down effect will then happen, I would say.
0: Paul, any ideas on this? Uh,
2: yeah, I have several ideas, but uh, there's many misconceptions, as there are with cyclists and, and for example, riding on the sidewalks. And uh, There's still many, at least in our area, there are many drivers who believe that you shouldn't be on the road, for example. So the, the number one message we want to get out there is that cycling on the road is legal, and, and it is encouraged, actually. Uh, and uh, in, right along with that, there's a responsibility for both parties, the driver and the, the rider, to follow the rules of the road. For example, in Utah, we have a relatively new law called the three-foot law. I think it's also adopted in many other states that a, that a car uh, is not allowed to pass you unless they can safely pass you with at least three feet distance. Now, th- there's some brand-new laws on the books in Utah from this uh, legislative session that, that allow cars to cross the yellow line if it's safe to do so and across that middle uh, passing lane if it's safe to do so, all to uh, accommodate this new three-foot law. So some of those things. For Another one is, you know, a bicyclist in the, in the left lane waiting to take a turn, you know, I've been yelled at, uh, get off the road, you're not supposed to be here, you're going through the intersection too slow, these kinds of things. And it's just getting the basic message out to drivers that it is legal to ride on the road, to be in the lanes, to take uh, turns as a car would do, all of those things. Uh, My caution in that realm is, that a bike should act like a car as much as possible, but it's also a practicality. There's a speed and a weight that you alluded to that you don't want to get in a position where you are muscling your way in. And and so it's giving some respect uh, from both sides of the line, so to speak, from motorists and from cyclists, to each other uh, to accommodate that. But but a cyclist shouldn't take it to the degree that they're challenging uh, uh, something that's much more heavy and dangerous and going faster.
0: And I'd like to uh, conclude the program with this topic: uh, How um, how do you get involved in your community to make your community more bike friendly? I'll start with uh, Michael Bluejeb. I'm guessing you've thought about this. I'm not sure where Austin is on 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 that scale. Uh, is is it a we have, we have bike some wonder, We have
1: some wonderful. advocacy groups in Austin. There's the Yellow Bike Project, the Austin Cycling Associate, uh, Cycling Association, Bicycle Austin, and we have a statewide group, uh, Bike Texas. And uh, they do something similar to what uh, they were advocating here for a three-foot passing law, much as Utah has uh, passed, and I applaud Utah for doing so. They're one step ahead of us. Our state legislature passed the law, but then it went to the governor's desk, and Governor Rick Perry vetoed it. So uh, we don't have a three-foot passing law in Texas, unlike Utah, unfortunately. But you were asking how people can get involved. Uh, every city of a decent size has a local advocacy group. you just got to find it and hook up with them.
0: Hmm. And we're talking to two people here who are involved in, in such a, a group in Logan. Uh, we have Mel and Leberkin who's up next, uh, probably our last caller. Mel, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment.
4: Yes, good morning, guys. Uh, one thing about bicyclists that I've noticed uh, is seems like there's always a stop sign with a little sign underneath of it that says, except for bicyclists. That's not so. If uh, there's a stop sign there, doggone it, bring your bike to a stop before you proceed
0: through the highway. Hmm. Yeah, I I noticed that a lot as well. Uh, Thanks, Mel. Okay. Appreciate that. Mel called from Laverkin. And, uh, yes, did I hear Michael wanting to comment on that?
1: You didn't. Maybe you heard my mind. Okay. <laughs> thinking, go, go ahead. I was, I was just thinking. You know. You know what? You know we. Like I said. You know, bicyclists and motorists both break laws. But you know, we always hear from people like Mal who are saying, you know, bicyclists are supposed to follow the laws too. And I'm thinking, what planet do these people live on that motorists always follow the law? I mean, in this country, thousands of people are injured. You know, they're about. Thirty thousand, twenty to thirty thousand people were killed on America's roadways every year by motorists who were breaking the law. You know that's carnage. You know, as, as you know, I'm not excusing cyclists for breaking the law. I want everyone to follow the law and be safe. But like I said earlier, when when uh, cyclists break the law, they're usually not putting anyone but themselves at risk. When drivers break the law, you know they injure and kill people, and that doesn't bother people like Mel for some reason, but it should.
0: Hmm. And uh, we did. We forgot to ask Mel if he gets on his bike. Of course, we both. You know, most of us wear two hats as a driver and as uh, as a biker. Uh, we just have a, a couple of minutes left. I just want to give everybody on the panel a chance for a final message they would like to like to give our listeners on this uh, topic. We'll start with Stephanie.
3: Great. Well, I'm. Um, I mean, I. I would just like to, there's many resources online that you can use to help you learn information about if you're, if there's certain things about cycling that you're unsure of. One of which that I, I really like a lot is cycling It's actually a group out of Florida um, and they have some great resources, some tips, actually some really great animations that help kind of uh, show, give you a bird's eye view of, of some of these important cycling tips that we, you know, we're talking about on the show today, but also just, you know, if you're in the, in the local Cache Valley area, make sure that you know you know about Aggie Blue Bikes and the services we offer up there, and you know definitely stop by. We're open nine to five Monday through Friday. We're a great resource and um, up in Cache Valley. Michael, uh, final words on this topic.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, I think it's important that more people get on bikes, and um, you know, I'm glad that uh, that trend is happening, and we
0: hope it continues. And of course, the website is bicyclesafe.com. And Paul, any any last information?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. If folks want to be involved in our local um, bike and pedestrian advisory committee, they can just uh, they can just uh, search for uh, Cache County Bpac. That's B P A C, and they'll find us. Uh, also, a couple other websites: uh, saferoute.org for Utah, um, nationally, uh, bikeleague.org. That's the League of American uh, Bicyclists. A lot of great information there, and particularly, we didn't get into too deep about uh, having a bike. Uh, uh, Bike-Friendly Community Certification. And then finally, uh, utahbikes.org is another excellent organization. Almost all of these will have uh, information about safety as well as advocacy as well as facilities in your community. And uh,
0: we uh, encourage you to go to all of those uh, sites to get more information. Uh, and we thank our guests. Uh, we have been talking with Michael Bujay, publisher of BicycleSafe.com. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, Stephanie Tomlin with Aggie Blue Bikes and with the Cache County Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks. And Paul Rogers with the Cache County Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Coming up tomorrow, if we can get the program
0: together, we're trying to get a program on uh, Mormons and gays. There's a new website up. Well, it's about six months old on uh, LDS.org. And uh, Mormons Building Bridges are once going, going to march in the Gay Pride Parade for Salt Lake. That's coming up tomorrow. For producers uh, Haley Housley and Addison Pace, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org. Utah Public Radio. KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan, KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, and KUSUFM hd One ninety one point five Logan.